Welcome to the Sandlot Baseball Podcast, hosted by Matt Toot and Tom Sinertia. So this is just going to be a podcast where we basically talk everything Major League Baseball, from weekly recaps to trades and plenty other baseball content we have planned to mix in here. Today's episode is going to be the start of our 2021 season preview for Major League Baseball. And we're going to be focusing in this episode on the American League and National League East divisions. Um, Tom, you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It's your boy, Tom Sinertri here with my boy, Matt Toot. Like Toot already said, it's going to be all things baseball on this. We're, uh, we're not going to hold anything back. Me and, me and Toot have been going – me and Toot pretty much talk about baseball – all the time anyway off the mic so figured might as well just do the same thing but hit record um we're gonna start we're gonna start this episode off with the AO East and the NL East but first I'll just give a little background on myself then I'll throw it back to my boy Toot N- name's Thomas Nurgia I'm a senior at Quinnipiac University journalism major so this is actually kind of my forte this is what I've been pre- doing now in, in school for a few years um I have a podcast with my boy, Jack Cororo, talking big blue with JQ. If you guys want to check that out. And when two texted me a while ago, he was saying, you know, would you be down to do this? I said, absolutely. Cause we talked about it last year too. And here we are. See last year, last year doesn't count. Cause you know, it was 60 game season, you know, like it was all, it was all shady and stuff. Here we are. We're back a full 162 game season. Let's get to it. Two over to you. Yeah. I'm pumped for a full 162. So uh, my name is Matt Toot. I'm a senior as well. I go to Manhattanville College. Uh, love everything to do baseball. I play uh, Division Three baseball in Manhattanville. Um, so baseball is a big part of my life. Love watching baseball. Try to catch as many games as I can. Uh, spring trainings right now. Pumped for that. Great to have live baseball back, especially big league baseball. And I'm, I'm ready to get into it and talk everything baseball for you guys to listen and hopefully react with us. Um, definitely would love some fan interaction off of this. So yeah, we're going to get into it and we're going to give you guys a little preview for what we think the uh, American league East and NL East has to hold for this 2021 season. It should be very exciting. So um, we're going to start off with the American league East. The way we're going to do it is uh, just go team by team. Um, basically, give a little insight into how we think each team's going to do this year and um, also give a little insight into what we think a key player for each team will be. I'm sure Tom and I will have some different opinions on how the uh, standings are going to shake out and I'm sure what, what players are going to be keys to each team. Um, just another wrinkle in this podcast, uh, Tom, huge Yankees fan, myself, huge Red Sox fan. So there'll definitely be some varying opinions on some of this uh prediction episodes but it should be good um might as well start it right on the top we'll start with the baltimore orioles why would we start with them oh um i mean i i don't even really follow them anymore like they're still god awful right pretty much yeah yeah so probably another what like 20 20 win season <laughs> it could be you never know um i mean i saw i remember when uh i think mlb network released their World Series predictions for like the next for like this this 2020s decade. I think they had them winning in like 2026. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they came up with that idea, but I mean, hey, you know, every every year is a new year for any team. As Toot and I can speak for ourselves, there there'll be there'll always be that like Midsummer Tuesday when you know the Yankees or Red Sox just 
get blown out by the Orioles just on some weird random day. Uh, but, you know, when push comes to shove, they just don't have – they're building something, obviously. They're kind of like uh, Miami, the, Mar- the Marlins down in Miami. You know, they're, they're building something. It's, it's going to take a while. When you get rid of Machado, when you get rid of all the other assets they had for new, younger assets, you're not really going to be able to compete over a full season. But you never know, man. They could surprise us maybe. I don't think so, but you never know. Yeah, I feel like they'll definitely uh, – obviously, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think anyone – even Baltimore yeah. fans think they'd make the playoffs this year, but I definitely think they're an interesting young team to watch. They get a few guys that uh, in the past have been known to have pretty good seasons. Uh, of course, Trey Mancini back from mm-hmm. uh, his bout with cancer, which was great to see the reaction he got the other day when he had his first spring training at bat. He'll definitely play a big role, I think, in this team. Um, but definitely, I think they're a few years out. Um would love to see Adley Rutschman in the big leagues, young catching prospect. I just don't think that it's going to happen this year. I think he's too far out with no minor league season last year. There's really no chance he'll get called up. But I think uh, Trey Mancini is going to be the key to that team. He's the heart and soul of the Orioles now at this point in time. So, I mean, they'll, they'll go with him. But other than that, I mean, no real pitching depth. So I just think they're – way too far off to even flirt with a wild card spot. Yeah. And, and what's a, a packed division now in the AL East. Right. And and when you look at all the other teams in the AL that are going to be fighting for those wild card spots, they just don't stack up. I I feel bad for Trey Mancini because the guy can just flat out play baseball. I, mm-hmm. I I don't know if any whoever's listening if you guys play the game ML, MLB the show, that's kind of mean to uh go-to game for a uh, PlayStation, but Every time I pitch to him, he, he takes me deep every single time. Like, it's just, he, he basically uses like a boat oar when he, when he, when he's up at the plate, like there's no, no matter where I put the ball, he's always going to take, he's always going to take me deep oppo too. He never pulls it. Always go, always goes oppo. Phenomenal story. You know, obviously he, he had to leave the game for a while to focus on his health and he's back now. I saw that ovation. That was awesome to see the reaction when he got when it first, first at bat. So at least they have a little, I guess, uh, like they, they have somebody to root for on that team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Trey's an easy guy to root for. Great to see him back, but it's tough for the Orioles and the Orioles fans. It's been long since they've long been good. Time. Long time since they've competed. So next, uh, where do you want to shift next? What team do you want to go next? You pick. Well, let's. Let's do let's do the ones that are not our teams first. So okay, yeah. Well, let's let's do Tampa because I want right. to save Toronto for later. Let's do Tampa first. I think Tampa is an interesting case this year. Um, you know, they're they're a team that's you know more on the analytic side when it comes to putting their roster together. So I think that's what kind of makes Tampa hard to predict, just because they don't really have big name stars. Mm-hmm. I mean. You had a couple guys blossom just because of the obvious World Series run they were just went on that some guys became more of household names. But before that, a lot of their key guys that are going to be uh, contributing this year are just, you know, kind of mid-range quality baseball players, but that aren't necessarily the big names in baseball. I think losing Blake Snell is definitely going to play a huge role because that just diminishes their starting rotation depth. But then again, Tampa is a team that rolls out a, a nasty bullpen with pitchers who have high spin rates and nasty stuff. 
And I mean, a guy like glass now who shined in the postseason can only take a step further. Um, but I think a key player for them is going to be Randy Rosarena. I think, you know, what he did last year in the postseason was obviously insane. Um, had a crazy postseason, but I think it, really seeing how he plays out in a 162 is going to be key for the Rays because throughout that postseason run, he was their offense for most of it. And throughout a 162, it'll be interesting to see if Randy can compete at that level and hit at that level that he was during the postseason. Obviously, it's not going to be, you know, a home run every night like it seemed to be right. in the postseason. But I think Randy's going to be a key player for the Rays. And I think the Rays are in that interesting spot where – they're going to be fighting for a wild card with honestly, I think two other teams in the American league East, and that's not even including the other divisions, right? Which there's definitely going to be teams from the other divisions fighting for the wild card spots. But I think the Rays, I don't think they have enough to win the East this year, but I definitely see them competing for a wild card spot. Yeah. You know, they're, I think they're going to be the most like 50, 50 team in, in the league pretty much, because I think they're either going to, still do decent or they're going to completely flop and be terrible. Cause like you already said, you lose Snell, which that had to happen after what cash did in that world series game, yanking them. Cause of the, cause the analytics people told them to, you, that had to happen. They lost Charlie Morton too. So, you know, obviously glass now is going to be glass. Now is one of the better up and coming pitchers in baseball. They got Chris Archer back. So basically they got glass now and Austin Meadows, for nothing yep. because Archer's already back on the team. Um, but I mean, you already said it too. They're going to, they're going to have all those random no name guys that we've never even heard of, especially in the bullpen. And they're going to be nasty because that's just the way the Rays and even like out in Oakland, that's the way those teams have to work because <clears throat> they don't have money, you know, which that's why they're the most frustrating team to, to like look at because you have teams like the Yankees and stuff like that, especially in this division that have big name guys, but they never live up to anything. Meanwhile, you have all the very inexpensive, no name guys who are spanking them every single game. Mm -hmm. The Rays are going to be interesting. I just, like you said, the, the AL wild card is going to be ridiculous. That race is going to be, it's going to be great this year. Yeah. And it, it really, it really is almost every year. Cause there's always, there's always two teams. It doesn't matter what division it is. There's always two teams within a game of each other for, for first place. Mm -hmm. So then that team's a wild card. And then that second wild card spot is always, always comes down to game 162. Um, but like you said, I don't think the, I don't think the Rays have enough to compete in the AL East. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, I hate the Rays every year and they always put me wrong. So we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, who knows with them? I mean, I think it's going to be a toss up between Realistically looking at it, I think there's a very good chance it's going to be a toss-up between Tampa, Toronto, and Boston for that wild-card spot coming out of the East. And mm -hmm. who knows, even you, we could even see two wild-card teams coming out of the East with realistically how competitive I think it is and how they're uh, – in the Central, I, I think there's a little bit more of a drop-off from the Twins and the White Sox. Definitely. And in the West, I, I don't think Oakland's going to be competing as much this year, but we'll get into those divisions in the – upcoming episodes um we might as well jump up north of the border now to toronto and we'll wrap it up on boston and new york with the uh east but we'll go toronto now yeah dude before before we can even get into our teams toronto's gonna be a problem 
We saw yeah. what they did last year. Obviously, 60 games is a is a very small sample size compared to 162. But when you have a core of Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bobachet, Kevin Biggio, Guriel Jr., and then you add in George Springer in, into the outfield, like that's dangerous. If they can, they're they're obviously, you know, they're gonna be an up and down team, but then there's gonna be those stretches in like May and in like July where they go on, I think, like 12 to 14 game winning streaks. Cause they're just once all those bats start clicking, there's really gonna be no stopping them. They the and they brought in Kirby Yates to be their closer. So I mean And I, I feel like a lot of people I I mean you haven't mentioned him yet, but a lot of people are forgetting the fact that they also brought in Marcus Simeon. Mm-hmm. which is only, only going to bolster that lineup. I mean, that's a guy that finished in I, – I want to say he was runner-up for AL MVP in 20, either 2018 or 2019. But Yeah, not too long ago. Th- that's, a, that's a guy – that's another guy. And, I mean, he doesn't get as much credit as he should because he was playing in Oakland. But they're, like, they're look a at that infield now. Team. They're a scary team. Yeah, that infield is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean – I, I feel like they're going to have a hard time trying to allot spots in the infield at the start of the year. Right. Um, just because, but then again, that's at times that's a good problem to have that much. Great depth. problem to have. Um, especially when some of their guys that they're depending on are also young, bringing in a guy like Marcus to have, uh, be a veteran voice in that clubhouse for those young infielders. Um, but they're, they're looking scary. Vladdy came into camp looking skinny and, Lost almost, I think, 40 pounds, they said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're interesting because they're – again, it's the pitching for me that yeah, w- with them, it's like what is what is Ryu going to be able to do right. um, in terms of being that guy at the top of the rotation? And then they got another guy, Nate Pearson, uh, got called up last year, a guy that just throws absolute ched but is also a young pitcher that – uh, at times was getting hit around a little bit last year when he got called up, but I'm definitely excited to see Bo Bichette in a full 162. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a dude, man. Uh, he's going to be a star in this game for years. Just, just a phenomenal hitter, like across, yeah. across the entire field, and he's fast too. He's he's a beast, and personally, I'm a big George Springer fan, and I think that was a great addition for them. Um, the only, the only other problem with the Blue Jays is they're very right-handed heavy. When you look at that lineup, a lot of righties, but, you know, guys that can hit can hit. So it doesn't really – I don't think it will play such a big role, but I think the Blue Jays – I was talking about this with one of my friends the other day. I think if the Blue Jays pitch, I wouldn't be shocked if they gave the Yankees a run for their money at the top of the East. If they pitch with that lineup um, – could be a little bit of my Red Sox bias in there, not wanting to see the Yankees win. No, dude, I, I completely agree with you. I, uh, I, wrote, I, I wrote an article for my internship just kind of breaking down all my division winners. Just because the Yankees are the, like, the worst team to watch in the regular season because none of their good guys are ever playing because they're always hurt, Toronto's a team that can easily start off, like, I don't know, winning 15 of their first 20 games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, obviously the Yankees will start out hot too, but then, like, Come May, boom, you know, guys like Judge or Stanton or Gary, like guys start going down. Toronto, they're all young. They start, they stay healthy. They can ease. It's going to, it's going to be kind of like it was last year when obviously the Yankees could not catch up to Tampa because Tampa mm. just didn't lose any games over the summer. But 
Um, the Yankees, obviously, you know, this is the bias too, but like the Yankees are the favorite right now to win the division, but it is not by a large margin. Toronto's no. going to be very good. And it, that's the crazy thing. The, the fact that I, I don't think people are really playing enough, paying enough attention and giving enough credit to teams below the Yankees right now, necessarily. Right. I think this, this division could be a lot closer at the top in terms of who's going to come out of it. And the wild card is going to be, it's going to be a race in this division. And even the division I think could be a crazy race throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And there's, I'd say three legitimate teams that could compete for the AL East title. And then I'd say there's at least four that could possibly get a wild card spot that will be competing for. And I think Toronto, if they can, if they can pitch man and the lineup performs the way they can, I mean, you got Teoscar Hernandez, who just came off a crazy year, was having a crazy year, and then got hurt. Um, this this lineup's so scary from the right side; it's it's unbelievable. And if if Vladdy, I'm 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 a big Vladdy guy, so I'm hoping. Oh, he can, yeah, we both are. I'm hoping he can put it together and have a, a crazy year because you know he's he's been a little up and down. He's had his streaks where he's been crushing balls, and then he'll have streaks where he can't even. It looks like he can't even hit, but right. I'm I'm pumped to see what Vladdy can do now that he's down weight, and I think he's gonna have a great year. But yeah. I think I think the Blue Jays are scary, man. Definitely, and in terms of Vladdy, like the kid's what, twenty two? He's like our he, age, he's I think. Young, I got I'll look, but he's he's a young kid, man. So you know, yeah, like obviously, there's times when it looks like he's swinging with a pool noodle, but then there's times where he's hitting the ball farther than I think anyone. Like mm-hmm. when like when you when you just look at it. His his swing's phenomenal. Just and the the best is when they do the side by sides with him and his dad. Yeah, they have just like the same approach. I think the Blue Jays are one of my favorite teams in terms of just like untapped potential. Definitely, hundred like, percent. Like, I don't like I don't like all like you know I don't like the Dodgers. I don't like the teams that are good and do good. I like mm. the teams that like aren't expected to do as good, but then just take but then off. perform. Yeah, right. I like actually- the Padres last year. Vladdy's got a birthday coming up, actually, March uh, March 16th. He'll turn 22, so he's Next a 1990, 1999 baby, just like us. Yeah, so, you know, like, he's so young, and the fact that he already he already lost all that weight mm-hmm. during during quarantine after this after the last season. So, because I know, didn't they move him to first? Because I think he was a little sluggish at third. Yeah, he, he had a he had a spell this, this past year where he was playing a little bit of, of first uh, just because he wasn't moving great laterally, and then – there were just some balls that, you know, were I'm not gonna say easy plays because right. you know, making a play in the majors is insanely hard anyway. So but he uh he definitely had a sin over at first, but I, I think I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him there now that they brought in Simeon. I wouldn't shock mm-hmm. to be be shocked to see them maybe move him over there. I don't think they want to have him start DHing at twenty two. No, I think that's way right. too soon to have him start DHing. Let him let him try to work it out in the field. But yeah, man, I, I think you know some guys see success when they are at that higher weight. Pablo Sandoval, for example, <laughs> uh, hate that guy. Ruined ruined Boston, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's. I think Vladdy's a guy that'll definitely benefit from how good a shape he got into this offseason. Absolutely. And I think he's, I think he's in for a huge year this year. I'm pumped to watch. Absolutely. Not in the powder blue, blue Jays uniforms. There's, there's not much better than that. Absolutely.
And but they're not they're not playing in Toronto, right? They're they're gonna be no, down in Florida. So they're, I think. they're starting, yeah, at their their spring training <clears throat> facility. They'll start the year down there. Um, hopefully they get up. Hopefully you know with COVID and everything, they can eventually get up to Toronto because watching all of Canada root for the Blue Jays oh, at the yeah. Rogers Center if they're making a playoff push and getting the playoffs. I mean, just look at the the images from Bautista's home run. Yeah. I mean, Toronto, when the Blue Jays are in the playoffs, it's just so good for baseball mm-hmm. um, just because of how much Canada gets behind the Blue Jays. It's, uh, it's amazing. So and even if hope it's they not, can get up there. And even if it's not this year, the future is definitely bright for that oh, team. 100%. The future as a whole. The future is so bright with Springer there locked up long term. The, they have a very bright future up north of the border, which is very exciting. Blue Jays well, are – one of the teams I root for outside of the Red Sox. So I'm excited for that. But let's come back to the U S side of the border, specifically the uh, New York, Massachusetts area. You know what? We're going to do the Yanks first. Cause I really don't want to talk about them as much. Cause every time I wind up talking about them, I wind up getting mad at myself and I, I want to talk about the Red Sox longer. So let's do the Yanks first. I mean, it, it's pretty much, the, it's, it's the same story. The, the last what, four years now, mm-hmm. you know, they have guys, they have really they have good guys when they're all healthy. Their lineup is one of the best in baseball. But especially that was, in that little band box they play in in New York, exactly. That you know, little league field. Yankee stadiums. Are, everyone always everyone always makes fun of it because you know right fields. I think what three twenty five. I think it's shorter than that. I think it's three fourteen maybe I think something it might be like 318 that. Three eighteen or something. Yeah, something. So short. you know, uh, it's 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 been called a hitter like a hitters friendly park, and it is. That's why I love watching the Yankee games because I'm I'm an offensive guy. So you know mm-hmm. when everyone's mashing, mashing piss missiles, it's great to watch. But you know that was the key word that I said before: healthy. As everyone that's watched the Yankees knows, they never stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton always get hurt. Um, even last year, like last year, pretty much the entire starting lineup went down except for Voit, and that was when Voit kind of said, "It's only a sixty-game season." Because he he hurt his foot bad. Mm-hmm. And like when, when he would hit a home run, he was kind of like hobbling around the bases, but he knew he kind of, I, I literally just wrote about this the other day. He, uh, he knew, and he, he said to himself and the press, he said, I, the team can't afford for me to go down to. So I'm just, I'm going to stick through it. I'm just going to play through it. I'm going to do everything I can to help us win. They did. And like every other year, the Yankees make the playoffs and then, you know, they should, they show some life and then it, it just it doesn't work out for him. And especially in a year like this year, because the lineup's the lineup. It's the same guys as last year. Just we need them to stay healthy. But the real, the real question mark is the rotation. You lose a guy like Masahiro Tanaka. Sevi's not going to be back till the summer, and we don't even know what he's going to look like anymore. Is he going to look like the 2018 almost Cy Young winner, or just the guy that you know can never really figure it out? They brought in Kluber, which is a pure just kind of like a kind of like the Justin Verlander move from Detroit, hoping they can just revive something out of them. Mm-hmm. And if they do, obviously it's a steal. They brought in the kid, Jamal Italian from Pittsburgh, which is one of Cole's best friends. So I think, I think that'll work out. I think that's one of the best moves they made pitching wise. Um, you got Domingo Herman coming back and they got Montgomery. The, it, the, the potential is there, but you know, are they going to stay like, the, I, think, I think the real question is, do they want it enough to, like, win? Because mm-hmm. I think I think for for not, like, a hardcore baseball fan, just for kind of, like, an ordinary baseball fan, I think it's rather interesting to see, you know, you'll have a guy, like, pull something, 
And then he sits out for like two and a half months. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, like in a much more short-term aggressive sport like football, that guy's practicing all week and playing on Sunday with that Mm -hmm. same injury. Yeah. So I know, I know Yankee fans are getting very impatient more than they already are. I Mm -hmm. am too. Cause when you think about it, remember in 2017, like the whole, like that, that Cinderella run they made. Yep. Everyone was like, Oh my God, like the baby bombers, the young core, like multiple world series. Dude, that was like, that was four years ago. Yeah. It's crazy how fast it goes. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, with them, I mean, you, you know where you're getting out of Garrett Cole. Right. Just dominance every fifth day. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really going to depend. I mean, Kluber's, Kluber's like a shot in the dark for them. I mean, this, this is a Pure guy dark, that, this is a guy that hasn't pitched in a few years through an inning with Texas last year and was <laughs> out for the year. I mean, they, it, you, you don't know. I mean, when Corey Kluber's there, he, he's a Cy Young, Cy Young level pitcher. Mm-hmm. But it's just a shot in the dark. Same thing with Tyone, honestly. Tyone's a guy that has untapped potential, but has gotten hurt and never really proven himself in the big leagues. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe maybe coming over to New York, coming from a team like Pittsburgh that's always, or at least recently, been very bad and not competing for anything. Maybe the pressure of playing in New York kicks him into another gear and he can find it. I mean, yeah. Um, I think, I think the friendship with Cole will speak dividends too. I, I think it will help. I, I also, you know, a lot of the times the Yankees get a lot of talk about their bullpen, but <laughs> I think, I think their bullpen is also a question mark. I mean, absolutely, especially what you've seen out of the bullpen in the postseason from the Yankees in the past few years, it, it hasn't been reliable. Like it's spilled out to be, I mean, nope. um, Chapman's the easiest guy to pick on there. That's a guy that, is supposed Absolutely. to be the lockdown closer for them. And Michael Brasso is taking him deep. I mean, it's for them, they're going to score. Like there's no way mm-hmm. around it. Like the Yankees, even when their guys are getting hurt, they find ways to put up numbers. Like right. they, they just seem to bring up guys that just hit bombs regardless. I mean, a guy like Mike Talkman comes out of nowhere hitting nukes when players get hurt, but right. for them, I mean, I feel like it's their division to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're way ahead of some other teams, but I definitely think it's their division to lose. Um, I think a, my my key guy for the Yankees, honestly, this year is Gary Sanchez. Absolutely. Um, personally, Gary's one of the only Yankees I really like. Um, being a Red Sox fan, I I do like Gary a lot. I've always liked Gary. Um, I think it just it really depends on. You know, Gary's defense is always a question mark. And when he's not hitting, Gary's – he's a bit of a, uh, a liability for the Yankees because that defense – while he does have a cannon, that defense takes a hit. And, uh, you know, he, I feel like he loses some pitches for pitchers um, just out of just not being a great framer. Um, and if he's not hitting, it's, it's kind of like, well, why is Gary in there when you have um, – they have Hig- Higashioka back, right? Yep. A guy like Higgy, who's a better defensive catcher. Um, and Higgy, Higgy's been Higgy's been known to hit every once in a while. I know last year there were a couple stretches where Higgy was hitting well. Um, try not to watch too much Yankees baseball, but mm-hmm. when I do, when Higgy's in there, he he plays well. Um, definitely better defensively than Gary. So uh, Gary's my guy for the Yankees. I feel like that could really 
if Gary's playing very well, I think the Yankees could run away with the division. But if Gary's not playing well, I think that could cost them. I don't know if you feel the same way about Gary, yeah. but yeah, listen, when you when you said a bit of a liability, that was a nice way of putting it. Gary is a liability when he's just because he's a guy that will just look lost. And when the best player on the when the best player in the dugout, Garrett Cole, doesn't want to pitch to you, mm-hmm. that's that that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. And like you said, once that once that became known, and Higgy was starting every fifth day, he was doing good. Mm-hmm. He was because he, he wasn't he wasn't doing he wasn't trying to do too much in, in the batter's box. He would just you know poke it out to left field, maybe hit a home run, and the defense was impeccable. Mm-hmm. And I think even when you fast forward to the playoffs, there were plays that he made that Gary would not have made and would have given up, I want to say, a total of probably four or five runs in all mm-hmm. the games combined. So he's a guy, he's a definitely a guy because it's, you know, at remember 2017 was four years ago. Mm-hmm. Remember 2016, he hit what, 20 homers in 50 games or something yeah, like that? He was, going, he was going off when he first came up. We thought he was going to be like the next best thing in baseball. I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're almost a half decade into this now, and yeah. it's it's it. I think he's hit a combined two hundred the last two and a half years combined. That's mm-hmm. on that's unacceptable. So he's, I definitely agree with you. He's a he's probably the guy that'll matter matter most. But for the sake of just you know this show, I'll I'll throw another guy in there, Aaron Judge. Yeah, honestly, it's. It's on it. It's no, you know what? It's honestly, it's a, it's a two for one judge and Stan because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're pretty like when you look at them, they're pretty much the same guy. They're two huge guys that can absolutely mash the baseball, but they're just never on the field. Stanton's yeah. played 52% of the. So this is, this is going to be Stan's fourth year on the Yankees, which is crazy. When you think about it, I feel like, like if, if you, if you just like close your eyes, and think about it, You remember them just trading for him not too long ago. Mm -hmm. Fast forward going into his fourth year, he's only played 52% of the games. That's not good. Yeah, no. The only bright side about him was in the playoff in last year's playoffs. Yes, he he finally looked like Miami Stanton for the first time since he was in Miami. So if he can just put it together, he's I'm I'm happy they're finally fully committing. He doesn't want to play the outfield. Yeah. And I think the Yankees are finally starting to just accept that. I I know you you shouldn't have to pay a DH that much money, but at the end of the day, it's the Yankees. The money, well, the money does matter for how, but at the end of the day, you know, the money's not the issue. So if he can just focus on hitting and not, and not, I don't know, not blinking too hard and getting hurt, he'll be fine. But like, you know, you look at judge, you look at 2017, he he hit the most home runs by a rookie. And then, you know, did did nice in the playoffs 2018. He broke his hand. So he got hurt 2019 got hurt again with the oblique. And then last year, took off. Remember, he was mashing a home run. It was like every other game. We mm-hmm. thought we were going to get like the Aaron Judge back, and then he got hurt. It's yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they need to drink more milk or something, but I don't know what's going on. So, like, just to sum it up, Judge and Stanton combined, mm-hmm. like they need to, like they need to be on the they need to be on the field for north of 110 games. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna that that's a lot to ask for. Yeah. But like if when they're like when they're in the lineup, like pitchers actually have something to worry about. You know, a lineup without without those two monsters, 
they they can kind of like take a take a pitch around guys. Yeah, they can pitch around guys. It's just the Yankees are easily the most frustrating team when you just think of who they have, but then what happens every year. Yeah, the the injuries. I mean, for Judge especially, it's like, I mean, most of my friends are all Yankees fans, Mm -hmm. and. It's just like the, it's the same thing they always talk about. It's the, the injuries with Judge, and it's almost like Yankees fans are getting tired of having a guy that really could be the face of baseball if he could stay on the field. Mm-hmm. And, but Yankees fans are getting tired of having him around just because he can't stay on the field. He's getting hurt every year. And you – it's it's honestly, which, again, it, I guess it comes with the territory. You know how, like – like then you'll probably agree with me. You know how Boston fans always say that like they're so sensitive because they've lost the most on in mm-hmm. the big games because they're there all the time. Mm-hmm. Like nothing to do with that, but like in the same kind of sense, like the older Yankee fans, like guys like our dad's age and like mm-hmm. stuff like that, they were they were used to nothing but pure dominance for mm-hmm. almost an entire decade. And in that dominance, you had guys like Bernie Williams who played 130 or more games every single year. Mm-hmm. You had guys like Jeter who never got hurt besides that one foot injury. And then, you know, fast forward, you still have you still have plenty of talent, but it's just like the guys are never playing. They're not staying on the field, yeah. So I I know a lot of I know a lot of older Yankee fans that I ask them, I say, I say, right now, like, would you trade judge? They say well, like without even hesitating. Obviously, you know, the pieces would matter, but yeah. Into, like they're more comfortable because his arbitration years are almost up. Yep. And by the time they're up, because I always do the math when, when we're playing the show, because, you know, they have the age and this and that. Mm-hmm. He's going to be just about 30 when yeah. his arbitration years are up. So what kind of deal are you going to give a guy that's already 30 and it clearly cannot or cannot yet handle a full 162 game season? Yeah, it's going to be hard to justify the Yankees spending big money on him. Right. If he has – years like he's had in the past where he's just he's out there but then he gets hurt and <laughs> comes back gets hurt again it's just it's hard to give a guy money like that no matter how good he is and like he's you said field can easily be the face of baseball easily. i know i'm sure we're both on the same page fernando tatis jr is kind of running he, away with that name right now but, running away with that yeah but like a guy like judge you know huge Where's number 99? They have the judges chambers. All the nicknames and slogans are there. He, he was the guy before Tatis got called up. He was the guy that could have run away with it if it wasn't for injuries. Yep. And so, he, he'd be way ahead of Tatis still, even if Tatis had what he had absolutely through with last year. If Judge had stayed on the field, Judge would be the face of baseball and Tatis would be behind him, but behind him by ways if Judge could have stayed healthy. Absolutely. So – it's, it's just going to be basically the same story, different chapter this year with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But you know what? Again, now I'm all flustered and stuff. We'll be talking about it. Let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, the team I probably hate the most, rightfully so. Like, Toot hates my team the most. The Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I actually got them on in the background. We got a little spring training game. They're uh, losing 3 nothing right now with one of our new starters on the mound, which isn't it isn't necessarily great because he didn't pitch well his last outing. Uh, speaking of Garrett Richards, who's pitching right now for them, mm-hmm. had a rough first spring outing and looks to be having a rough second one. Um, let me real quick, let me say my main, my opening statement, all right. and then you can run away with it. All right. Because I'm sure you're going to, I'm sure you're going to agree with me. The Red Sox to me are the worst team, but the team I'm most afraid of. 
I'm, because because in terms of names and stuff like that, you know, like the like the Red Sox like aren't really stacking up like that. Mm-hmm. But like so, fast forward, like, do I want to go into a bet like a, a best of five against the Red Sox? No, mm-hmm. just because you know, again, it comes with the Yankee Red Sox rivalry. Like, yeah. like if the Red Sox, it was kind of like in 2017 when you guys were like stacked up, and then like the the baby bombers kind of like upset you guys in the first mm-hmm. round. Or like, or like you, you guys got knocked out when the Yankees were continu- continuing to advance. Like you always tell me, because it, it, you always tell me, don't let the Sox get hot. Which Damn is right. Don't let the is, Sox get hot. Absolutely right. Because like last year was fun because the Yankees spanked the Red Sox almost every time they played them. Just you know, the Red Sox were struggling. You know, yeah. they're not. They're tr- they're like in a rebuilding phase, but they still got some of the guys. They scare me though. Every mm-hmm. year they scare me because it's, it's, I think it's the B, the way that B is just designed. <laughs> it just, it gives me, it gives me weird vibes. Yeah. I mean, I'll take that comparison, I guess, uh, just because obviously the Red Sox go into this year with a lot of doubt surrounding them. Right. Um, you know, they just got rid of Ben and um, Bradley Jr. Just signed with the Milwaukee Brewers. So that that notorious outfield of Benintendi, Bradley, and Betts is gone. All out of Boston. Um, but you know what? Being a Red Sox fan who follows them passionately, yeah, vividly. Them losing those three guys doesn't scare me as much as I think it does the casual Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I would love to still have. Benny, oh, Brad, Benny, Jackie, and Mookie out in the outfield. I'd, I'd be stupid not to say that. Um, but, you know, I think that especially, especially last year's version of the Red Sox, uh, the pitching was awful. It was, it was really hard to watch games just because how bad the pitching was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the offense still produced and mm-hmm. – they produced without Benintendi and Benintendi's gone. Um, granted, I think they, I, I don't think they got enough for what Benintendi could do if he can refine um, that old Andrew Benintendi. Right. Um, I do think they, they gave him up for a little undervalue when it comes to what they could get for him if he were to have a hot start to this season. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, that was a move they had been thinking about for a while. Um, and it happened. So now, now you got to look at what they have left mm-hmm. and what they have left is an offense that, you know, granted Jackie Bradley was in the lineup last year, but you're looking at a pretty much the same lineup they had last year. And that was a team that hit, um, and that was a team that hit without JD Martinez, realistically. Right. JD was bad last year, and JD's—I uh, mean, watching games, JD's been the first to admit that he was bad last year, and that things need to change for him in terms of, you know, how how he hit last year. And JD's a big video guy, and there was obviously restrictions with the video um, last year due to COVID and everything. Um, but some of those things have loosened up. Um, I also think Alex Cora coming back provides a huge spark for a bunch of these guys. I mean, yeah, a guy like Devers, um, Ogarts, 
And bringing in Kike Hernandez, uh, another Puerto Rican guy, just like Cora. And uh, Kike's been playing great, um, hitting leadoffs uh, in spring training, hitting for power too, especially. Um, and I think, you know, Kike was a guy in LA that um, was often a platoon guy, uh, would play more so against lefties. But mm-hmm. I think Kike, he's going to get it. He's going to start at second to start the year for the Red Sox. And I think uh, a full season out of Kike could be really scary. Um, a very good defender can play multiple positions. Um, but I think he could be huge. But the one guy for me, it's Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, you know, Eddie had the unfortunate, uh, unfortunately got COVID at the start of last year when the, the restart was going to happen and had some heart complications with it and sat out the entire year because of it. But that was a guy in 2019. And that was another Red Sox team that didn't pitch well coming off the world series uh, year in 2018. They were, they were offensively again, great. Just didn't pitch well, except for Eduardo Rodriguez. He's, he pitched 34 games for them and won 19. Um, easily could have been a 20 game winner in 2019 had Cy Young stuff, but it's a matter of, whether or not Eddie comes back from a full year off right. and can pitch again because they're going to need him to because Sale most likely, if he's back, he won't be back till the middle of the season probably. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it goes down to guys like Avaldi, who has showed flashes of dominance, but he's another guy that's kind of had like an up and down career. And then you got a bunch of guys that are, are – really question marks for the Red Sox in terms of pitching. And then like, like it has been, the bullpen is another big question for the Red Sox, whether or not the bullpen can lock down games. And that's that realistically the pitching is the part that scares me the most as a Red Sox mm-hmm. fan. I know the Red Sox are going to hit. Um, they've been hitting in spring training, but again, it's been some of the pitching even in spring training games early on that has been, it's been all over the place. And I, I, I think most people would also say the same thing that it's really going to come down to the pitching. Normally it comes down to the pitching for every team, but especially the Red Sox. I think, I think the Red Sox could be a playoff team might be a little biased of me, but I think they could be (laughs) a playoff team. If they pitch, if they get some, some great pitching out of the starting rotation and the bullpen, but that's kind of my spiel right now on the Sox. Well, that, and that should all for everyone that's listening, that should all, defend my statement that like you have Devers, you have Bogarts, you have now Kike Hernandez, you have JD, you have even, you have even Jeter Downs. Like you have, you have guys like that, that you're not even thinking of because all you're thinking of is, oh yeah, but Ben Intendi's gone. They just lost J- JBJ. Obviously they traded Mookie away. Um, and the, and Mookie going out and dominating in LA and them winning a world series only uh, the heightens, biggest only heightens the, the, the talk around how much the Red Sox have lost. And exactly. That doesn't um, help. I think there was two things I wanted to talk about. The first one is Alex Cora. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll second it. Cause I know Carabas at Barstool was fired up about it. I think that is what you guys needed in terms yeah, of, you know, 100%. the direction, the, the direction you guys were headed, you know, you're, tra- you're trading all the, you know, the big Red Sox names away um, you, you needed him to come back because he's, he's a reminder of, of your guys like glory days a couple years ago. And really, if he can, if he can just kind of wake up the team a little bit and just, you know, find, 
find guys in the rotation, find guys in the bullpen. Because back in the summer, your bullpen was like Eovaldi to be determined, to be determined, and like to be determined. Yeah. I remember that was crazy. And even like with, with Sale, he's not the only one. Last season screwed up a lot of pitchers because mm-hmm. remember they were trying to get ready for the July 30th opener. And then, which is normally around like now in a normal world, when pitchers start to like feel weird, then they get checked out and then they get Tommy John before opening day. Yeah. So then come next year, they're okay. Come February, March last year, that like you're, you're in August and you have guys like sale Verlander Severino that need Tommy John mm-hmm. and, you know, batters is different. They, it, they can kind of make their way back a little bit quicker pitchers. That's it's, it's, it, it's what Hard. they, yeah. it's what they are. So, you know, you have guys like sale going to miss half the year. You Verlander is going to miss probably the entire season. You have guys like Seve won't be back till the end, till the end of the summer. So it kind of screwed up a lot of the pitchers, but I, I think, I think Cora is probably again, the best thing you guys, you guys could have got in terms of just all the moves that were having to be made. And I guess the morale of the fan base, where it was headed, like you said, more, more detailed Red Sox fans like yourself weren't that worried, but for like the everyday kid who just throws on the B hat, they'll, they were probably sweating a little bit, but the one guy I want to talk about, this is my guy for the Red Sox. We don't talk about Xander Bogarts enough. No, naturally the, I feel like the same way. He doesn't get enough recognition. Like the, like when you think of shortstops in the MLB, you think of obviously Tatis, you think of Trevor story, you think of Tim Anderson, you think of Francisco Lindor, Correa, you think of Correa, you do Bo, Bogart stacks up against those guys. Some, and he even beats some of them. He, like, he, and he like, flat again, out hits. Right. And it was probably because I guess the Red Sox were not good at all last year that, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of fades off the radar a little bit, but when, when he's clicking, he's arguably top three shortstops in baseball. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, and obviously, you know, him and Devers are probably now two of the best players on the team. Yeah. Cause Dev- Devers is another guy when he's on, there's few third basemen that hit like him. He, he, he crushes baseballs when he's on. It's insane. I remember again, it's kind of weird that we, well, that at least I have been, I always refer back to the video games, but MLB, the show really gives you a layout of like how, how players play. Mm-hmm. Like, like remember, remember when I got the Devers card, you were like, dude, just like, just pay attention to like how he sizes up every pitch, mm-hmm. like frame framing wise. And, and that was when I realized like how, how crazy it was and, because whenever I think of Devers, I just think of him mashing a grand slam in the first inning before I even got in my seat at Yankee Stadium. Hmm. So I just think of like I just think of moments like that. Um, but if Devers and Bogarts can just do their thing, lock up the left side of the field, and just keep their potent roles in the lineup, there's no reason why the Red Sox shouldn't be just hanging around. I guess. But like you said, it's yeah. gonna be the pitching. It yeah, is because because they could put up eight runs easily, but you know they can, I guess, give up 10 runs even easier. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it's going to be a weird year for baseball. because It is. The first 162 back. I know today we're only talking about the AL East, but um, it's going to be a weird year. All yeah. the players are coming back for a full 162. And It'll be interesting to see how they're conditioned, too. Right. I mean, granted, a lot of guys did play last year, but the guys that didn't play, it'll be interesting to see how they're conditioned. And be interesting to see injury wise what'll happen this year. Yeah. But 
All right, let's roll it into the National League right from here. Um, we'll start uh, – well, let's start with what I would presume most people will think will be at the bottom of this division. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the surprise playoff team last year, the Miami Marlins. Um, the Marlins are a team that, you know, doesn't uh, – like the Orioles, doesn't have a lot of names. Um, but last year with the COVID season, they were – they somehow made a run. Um, which credit to them, they had to deal with COVID right away. Yep. Um, you know, had a lot of games canceled early on and were, were able to pull out from it and make a wild card run and win a, win a playoff game, which was great to see for the Marlins. But I just, I, I don't see them competing. They're, they're, they don't have a chance of competing for a division title with how stacked now the NL East is. I feel like yeah. they're saying the same thing about the NL and AL East, but I just don't see them competing with, the top tier of the AL or NL East, sorry, uh, this year. Yeah, it was it was nice last year to see what kind of teams have the potential to do good because you know we we had a small sixty game sample, so you know the Marlins, the potential's there. Like mm-hmm. like Jeter's Jeter's building something. I know yeah. when he got there, he traded everyone and their mother away because he it was like the financials weren't good, the contracts were too were were not good. So he just got assets, assets, assets. Now, now that the dust has settled and a few years have gone by, we can see he's building something. Mm-hmm, definitely. Sixto Sanchez is a beast. And That's you just great, he's a stud. Yeah. And you have, you know, you have guys like like we said, none of us are gonna know who they are, but they mm-hmm. have guys that are gonna start to build their names as the seasons go on. You have like Yankee alumni up up through the ranks on that team. You got Don Mattingly's the manager. Jorge Jorge Posada's around there somewhere, and he just hired the first female GM in mm-hmm. baseball, who spent her time, a lot of her time, in the Yankees organization while Jeter was playing. So, but like Toot said, they're not. And which I was going to say too, now it's time to come back to like the real world. We're in a full 162. Yes, the potential's there. They took they took very good advantage of a of a small 60 game season but they're not built yet to handle the full 162. Yeah, def- definitely. They're they're a team that's not looking now. They're, right. they're looking at the big picture and they they just happened to seize the moment with COVID last year. Mm-hmm. Um which was great. I I enjoyed watching them. I enjoyed watching the Marlins make a run. They're they were a great feel good story to see make the playoffs last year. Absolutely. Um but they're just too far off and you know, maybe down the road, there'll be more to talk about with them. But I, I feel like right now at where they're at, um, besides their young arms, there's not really much to highlight with the Marlins. And right. They have a future. It's just, they, it's they not, do have a future, which is right for Miami baseball, but it's just not right now. Yeah. Um, let's move up the coast. We'll go to now. Let's we might as well just go one state up and talk about what I think is the favorite to be back to back NL East champs. And that's the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have them. I have them winning it. They just mm-hmm. when you look at who again, talk about just a ridiculous core. You got Freddie Freeman, you got Ozzie Albies, Danby Swanson, Ronald Acuna, one of the best players in baseball in the outfield. Guys, I'm not even remembering. You have their pitching kind of blew everyone away last year. You got guys like Ian Anderson, Max Freed, Mike Soroka, and now you had Charlie Morton, which I know Morton's getting old now, but in terms of just a veteran presence who's been to a World Series, 
he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna speak dividends for the rotation and his impact's gonna be also greater than what people would think of just on the field. Exactly. I mean, you you mentioned Freed, Soroka, Ian Anderson. They're those so are all, young. Those are all young guys, and having yeah. a guy like Morton there to only help them. Yeah, and then just like and that the lineup is just oh, uh, Marcelo Zuna too. Yep. Like the the lineups, the lineups absurd. They're they're one of the they're one of the fun most fun teams to watch because they're 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 young across the entire twenty uh, six man roster, and again. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be a blowout because the AL East is stacked. Uh, sorry, and the NL East is stacked, like really, really big this year. Mm-hmm. And um, but I feel like the NL East is never a runaway. No, I mean, I I feel like in in years it has been right. Um, I mean, uh, the then the, when the nationals won the world series, they, they really weren't competing at the top of the East. It was more of the wild card hunt. Right. Um, but I think this year, especially um, with the moves teams like the Mets have made, which we'll yeah. get into. Um, I definitely think it's going to be a lot closer than I think Braves fans will want it to be oh, at, the end of the, at the end of the day. I think the Braves will still pull it off. Um, and that could just be some of the, the Mets uh, loser bias almost, being, but being the Mets, being, yeah. l- literally just being the Mets. But um, <laughs> I definitely think it's like I said with the Yankees, I think it's Atlanta's division to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, that lineup is disgusting. I mean, disgusting. you got MVP, MVP, perennial MVP candidate, Freddie Freeman at first base guy that just flat out hits and he hits both righty and lefty pitching extremely yep. well um and a guy like Acuna who is a guy that um like I said with Judge could be the face of baseball um mm-hmm. Tatis kind of taking that crown right now away from him but Acuna is a guy that plays with swag um one of those fiery guys that people love um does everything I mean he I defends think- he hits he runs I think he's one of the few – not to cut you off, sorry. I yeah. think he's one of the few guys in baseball that has, like, 40-40 potential. A hundred percent. Because he can mash the baseball, and he's and he's one of the he faster flies. guys in the league. Yeah, he flies. So I mean, I think with that lineup, like with the Yankees, it's staying healthy. Um, I think Ozzy Albies is another big guy that they're going to have to depend on because yeah. Albies is a guy that – when he's good, he's he's great, mm-hmm. and when he's bad, he's he's bad. He and is lost. He, he can fluctuate. Um, we've seen it in the past. Him fluctuate in terms of um production. Um, but I think he's a big big guy for the Braves. Um, because when he's going, that only adds to that lineup. I mean, you know what you're getting out of Acuna and Freddie. Um, and when he's going, he's he's a guy that, I mean, makes it hard to pitch to that lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I mean, and they came only one game away from the World Series last year. So yeah, I mean, you, you know, they always say baseball is a game of inches. A few things go the Braves' way, and it, we could be looking at the Braves talking about the defending World Champion Braves in this episode instead of referring to them as the the runner up in the NL. Yeah. I think I think we're for the most part we're one Cody Bellinger home run away from mm-hmm. from them winning that game. Definitely. Uh, 
So the Braves are Braves are pretty much everyone's favorite to win, but mm-hmm. let's you talk, just go to the Mets now. Yeah, mine as well. Mine as well go as to well, the since we mentioned so much. The Mets. I mean, um, the Mets are the Mets are so interesting because yeah, they brought in a bunch of guys, but then again, are you really convinced that the Mets are gonna not like somehow blow it? No. Exactly. Like you can't like they could have brought in five other guys. Like they could have brought in Springer too. And it, it's like, are we really, are we really thinking the Mets are winning? Like, honestly, I mean, even if they brought, even if they brought in Bauer, I would have yeah. been like, they're a clear favorite, but they're just not going to do it. They're, they're going to somehow find a way. Yeah. And I think that's unfair for, for Mets fans, but I think Mets fans would also agree too, because I mean, as a Red Sox fan, that was, that's the way it was before 2004. It was like, all right, the Red Sox have guys and they make the playoffs, but they're just going to, they're going to blow it. They're going to lose mm-hmm. somehow. Um, and, it, and that's the way it's become for Mets fans. Um, I mean, you know what you're getting out of Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. That's like, like with Garrett Cole, that's dominance every fifth day. Um, Thor, Noah Syndergaard is going to be a big, a big part of how the Mets season turns out. Um, yeah. when he you know, hit, as it is every year. When, when he's good, he's he is an elite level pitcher at the major league level. Mm-hmm. Um, his stuff plays at the major league level when he's pitching well. Um, Frankie, Frankie Lindor now being in New York, that's I mean, that's that, big time. It, I mentioned it with Acuna, but talk about swag. That's a guy that like you go out there. That's another guy that could be a face of baseball when he's on switch hitting shortstop. Yeah, great defender can hit um and frankie's had you know some more average years um but when he's playing that's another guy that's up there that is like he's the best shortstop in baseball right um, when he's up there and bringing that to new york that's got a lot of people excited in new york um as it should um absolutely um just like when it's crazy because if you if you take you know, a rotation of DeGrom, Syndergaard, Carrasco, Strowman, and uh, I'm probably I'm probably even missing a guy. Uh, um, Cookie, Cookie Carrasco, who they got in the uh, right the deal. So, like, if you Frankie. take if you take that rotation and you know, and you take a lineup of you got just in no specific order, you got Lindor, you got Conforto, you got McNeil, you got Pete Alonso, you got I don't even know is Cano still on the team? No, Cano's uh, the PED suspension, but um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, but like, anyway, my main point, you take like that core and that rotation and you put it on any other team, you're thinking like, you're thinking world series, but again, yeah. it's because it's, it's the Mets. It's like, it's the Mets. Like it's, it's not going to happen, which we don't want to happen. We want in 2015, when the Mets were in the world series, it was crazy. Yeah. Like our, our boy, Tim was a Met fan. So every, every day in physics, he, like, it was just seeing like, Seeing Met fans happy, like happy, yeah, like it's weird. We're used to every year, you know. They start; they'll start out hot, and then everyone's like, "Give it thirty or forty games." And then mm-hmm. dog days of summer, they're losing; they're losing every day. And then just because again, it's the Mets. When it's too late, they'll start heating up. Yeah. When, when they're too many games back, they'll start heating up to try and make the last wild card spot. Then they'll come three or four games short. Yeah. So. I think this is the first time in a while, probably since 2015, that the Mets are 
I think one of the top, I don't know, top 12 favorites to, mm-hmm. to, to win the world series. But again, it's the Mets. Can they do it? Of course. Will they? Probably not. Yeah. And especially, you know, with a team like Atlanta in front of you, if with the division kind of hard to win, that means you're going to be a wild card team and then potentially playing like the Dodgers in the second round. Yeah. Which is, which would suck. It's a daunting task thinking. Yeah. I mean, for, for any team that ends up being a wild card that could definitely compete for the top of the division, it's a daunting task knowing that more than likely you're probably going to face the Dodgers in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then again, the, who knows what the Dodgers, uh, season, if someone gets hurt, they could end up, uh, going cold, but that's for later episodes. I think I, I, I was talking to someone the other day and I, I think for the Mets, I think Marcus Stroman's a guy that could really make a huge impact on this team. He's, he's mm-hmm. going to be in the middle of the rotation. Um, obviously, um, He's not the guy like he was in Toronto uh, for a few seasons where he was the guy. He, he, he doesn't have to worry about being the guy in a rotation. He just has to worry about going out there on his assigned day and pitching. And, you know, he sat out last year. Um, but when Strowman's – Strowman can be nasty when he's on. I mean, that's a guy that won uh, – or went to an all-star game when in Toronto. And mm-hmm. uh, he looked filthy the other day. I was seeing some uh, – some of pitch pitching ninja on Twitter, seeing some of the stuff he posted and Strowman's change up was looking nasty the other day, working on a new uh, split change up. He's calling it. Um, and that's a guy I think that if he can lock down that middle of the rotation, because DeGrom's going to give you a chance to win when he hey, goes yeah. out there. And when DeGrom pitches, it's really up to the offense um, to lose the Mets, the game. Yeah, always. Which we've, which we've seen in the past, the Mets lose when Degrom gives up like a run. Um, yeah, I think I think two years ago he won the Cy Young with he had a one he had a one nine eight ERA and like a ten and twelve record. Yeah, and like it, you know what you're getting out of Degrom, and so yeah. that's why I think for Stroman and Syndergaard too, Syndergaard's going to be a big key whether or not he can perform this year. But I think yeah. Stroman because Stroman's going to be directly in that middle of the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be a big key to the Mets' success. Yeah. I think I think you already mentioned. But I think I think Syndergaard's my guy for them, just because the lineup's going to hit. They're they're going to like the, the offense isn't going to be the problem. It's going to be the pitching because, like you said, the Groms will win every fifth day. Yeah, and then so like you said, if the middle guys, if Strowman, if Carrasco in his first year with the Mets, but really if Syndergaard can just not get hurt and just stay the course, that's probably one of the better number twos in baseball. Yeah. Definitely, hundred percent. So, I mean, again, we we can talk about it all day long. It's just it's going to come down to if the it's the Mets stigma will stick or not. We'll we shall through, see. Yeah. Who's um, next? The team I want to talk about next is uh, the Phillies, actually, and then wrap it up with the Nats. Um, yeah. The Phillies they brought back JT Real Muto after you know there was some discussion in the off season about them, you know, not having the money yeah they were broke and on jt um but when you give a money out to a guy like harper um you really it doesn't make sense to not try to build a winning team exactly um, and you know for the phillies it's going to be the pitching um 
I feel, I, <laughs> as I with every like, team. I feel like I'm going to say that a million times in these mm-hmm. season previews. It's true, though. It, it is really true. Um, you know, their rotation doesn't have a lot of, of guys, per se. Um, Aaron Nola being the, the headliner and the ace. Man, that's um, much it. Nola's a guy that is is performed well for the Phillies. Um, but it's gonna come down to the pitching and it's also gonna that like the kind of you know, let's not talk about Harper and Real Muto, but the other guys in that lineup as well. It's really gonna depend on them. Guys like Reese Hoskins, Didi, uh Gene Segura, um McCutcheon. Um, right. a lot of people forget is even there. Um, and a young guy like Alec Bohm who came up and hit well for them. Um, when he finally got his chance at the big league level last year, but for them, it's just, it's, it's a matter of, are they going to pitch well? And is the, the, the pieces around Harper and real Muto, because you know what you're getting out of Harper and real Muto, um, as much, as much hate as Bryce Harper gets, um, He's he, he hits. He's one of the best players in baseball. And, you know, people don't like him because he's arrogant and whatever. But he's he's a guy that plays baseball at a high level, um, performs at a high level. Mm-hmm. And I think has gotten a little underrated since going to Philly just because the Phillies haven't been good. And especially with the Nationals winning right after uh, Harper left. Right. That only diminished how good Bryce Harper is. Um because people said all oh, the Phillies or uh, the Nationals, sorry, didn't need Harper to win. Um, but you know what you're getting out of Harper and Real Muto, and that's they're they're not going to be a concern for that team. It's the pieces they have around them right now. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Phillies could compete for a wild card with the Mets, but it's going to be whether or not they pitch. I mean, that's <laughs> that's that's my real take on them. Yeah, I mean, well. It's it kind of sucks that I think uh, probably a third of the league just doesn't have good pitching. Because yeah. you, you guys are going to hear us bring that up almost for almost for again a third of the teams. Mm-hmm. When when you sign a guy like Harper and it's, it's the same thing out in LA with the Angels, but we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. But like when you sign a guy like Trout, up uh, Trout. When you sign a guy like Harper to that big of a deal for that much money you that kind of gives you a window like okay we have this long to win as many world series as possible so that means you need to open up the checkbook a little bit because a lot, what a lot of what a lot of people don't understand when you win the world series you win more money like yeah. you, the team makes money when you do good kind of it kind of sounds dumb to say because of how true it is mm-hmm. so why like why are teams scared i understand last year kind of screwed everything up in terms of just overall you know staying not bringing in, in money from yeah not bringing in pretty much any money i know we're i know we're slowly getting fans back into the mix but like a guy like harper you have basically that long to win as many rings as possible mm-hmm. why why are you not doing everything in your power to bring in the top guys i understand philly might not be the most desirable place i guess but like if you look back 10 years ago when the phillies were in the world series baseball was crazy yeah like i mean Especially in Philly, dude, the fans and well, I mean. like, when Philly teams are good, like, yeah, Philly's a crazy sports sports city. So, and you know, Harper Harper fits that because when I think there's few more, I think they call them like they call them like sexy plays. When Harper mm-hmm. hits a home run, 
It's immaculate. It's amazing. His, yeah, I mean, like his his swing, swing is crazy. His hair is always flowing. Um, when he hit that walk off against the Cubs in uh, 2019, yeah, and the place was buzzed out. It was. I mean, that's that's what makes baseball great. And absolutely. And you know, so you have you have a guy like Didi who is he's never like you're never gonna hear about him, but mm-hmm. but like he's gonna put up. He put up he put up solid numbers last last year in the shortened season. He's gonna put up solid numbers again this year. Didi's a guy that like you'll never really have to worry about, but you're never gonna hear from him. Yeah. So so just again, consistent is what Didi is. Quietly consistent every single year. Again, you have one of the you brought back one of the best catchers in baseball. So catcher is not a problem. Yeah. You so catcher left field and then quietly shortstop are not problems. It comes down to you know. The other guys, obviously, everyone always forgets about McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, McCutcheon's not the guy he was back in back in Pittsburgh in those heydays, but he'll 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 still put up decent numbers. They so they just it's gonna they're they're one of the teams that we keep talking about that. I guess offensively won't be an issue, but you know, bes- besides Nola, who can be can be nasty at times, who do they really have? And the answer is nobody. Yeah, definitely. So it's- I don't. I honestly, I didn't like when I think of this division that they're my four because who we're going to talk about next, mm-hmm. the, the nationals can very easily be a problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, we might as well just jump right just, into them. Just go right um, into them. Uh, the Nats disappointing year last year um, after winning a world series. Um, they but, were hung over. It was okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'd say it was a disappointing season for not necessarily a lot of teams last year, but a lot of individual guys um, right. with everything that happened. You know, certain guys dealt with uh, the quarantine better than others. Um, but they they were a team that, you know, it wasn't as good as they could have been. Um, but the Nats, are, the Nats are a good team. They uh, – they still have good starting pitching, especially at the one and two spot in that rotation with Scherzer and Strasburg. Um, and I mean, you can't you can't avoid talking about this guy when you talk about the Nats. Uh, Soto. Oh, Soto's just he. When you talk about a hitter, you talk about Juan Soto. I mean, yep. he. This is this is a guy that I think we're looking at could be an MVP candidate. Stole the words right out of my mouth. For the next 10 years. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll always I mean, be up there in the he, discussion. He might not win him every year, but he's a guy that purely just off his hitting because realistically his defense is leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, he makes the routine plays and stuff, but yeah, um, it, you can't seem to get him out. No. Um, and – with with Soto leading that offense, if they can stay healthy, because they did have some injury problems last year, if they can stay healthy, I mean, you saw what this that team did um, in a short amount of time when mm-hmm. they made that playoff run to win the World Series. That's this is a team that's built to for those short runs. So, like I said, with the Red Sox, if they get hot at the right time, um, it's a team that is scary when you look at. Um, the guys they have mm-hmm. complimenting Soto. I mean, they just brought in Josh Bell from Pittsburgh. He's a switch hitter guy that 
Oh my god, I forgot they did that. Yeah, he's a guy that when when he hits and he's hitting consistent. I mean, he had that stretch in what was it 2018 or 2019 to yeah. start the season where he was just dominating. Um and I mean Trey Turner at the start at the top of that lineup, that's a guy that is a great hitter, One very good defensively. And when he's on base, he's a problem. Mm-hmm. And but he's he's started to hit for a little bit of power too, which you know, you always like a little bit of power in your lineup, Absolutely. a little extra power, especially with that speed combined. The Nats are scary. Um, it's, I think it's going to be health with them. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, their starting rotation with Strasburg and Scherzer, because those guys need to be healthy. Because those are two, those are two guys when it comes to being on the mound, yeah. and when they're healthy, uh, that only helps the Nats. Yeah, you just they. When I when I look back at like just the numbers and stuff, they're I think in terms of this one category, I think they're top three scariest teams in the league mm-hmm. because they're they can they were nineteen and thirty two in twenty in twenty eighteen or nineteen whenever they won they were nine they were like nineteen and thirty two or something like that and then wound up winning the World Series yeah so like you said it's it's the it's those in terms of those quick turnarounds they're one of the best teams that can do that. You have a guy like Soto who's going to be who's going to win an MVP soon. Mm-hmm. He's also one of the one of the top like just in terms of like young faces of baseball. Juan Soto's up there in that discussion. I think the biggest thing with baseball because we were at we were entering a period a few years ago where like it was kind of dying. Mm-hmm. Like baseball was kind of becoming like a dying sport in terms of just you know the fans and stuff like that. And then we just got a wave of young. We got, we got obviously, you know, we got Acuna, we got Tatis, we got, you know, Judge, we got uh, now Soto, and I'm I'm missing so many other names, but you know, he bring just wa- being able to watch him because obviously, you know, it's the Washington Nationals. I don't really watch them that much, mm-hmm. but watching him in the World Series was unbelievable. Just his his vision, his patience, like just his overall approach at the plate. The fielding will come. You can't yeah. really trust about that. But the fact that he's this good of a hitter at this age is bananas. He was on the team when he was 19, which is absolutely absurd. So, and like the national, first of all, like I said before, completely forgot they got Josh Bell. Completely forgot that happened. They also brought in Kyle Schwarber. So in terms of home runs, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in that hit, lineup. Yeah. And then just the rotation. You got a guy like Scherzer who's at the top of the league every single year. You got a guy, Strasburg, who he won World Series MVP, right? Yep. You got a guy like that who's lights out when it matters most, and that's what you want from a pitcher. You got Patrick Corbin, who's, you know, always like a low-key name. He's not gonna mm-hmm. he's not gonna blow you out of the water, but he's a he's a he's a viable he's a solid middle, major league pitcher. So, solid major league pitcher in the middle of the rotation. Mm-hmm. And then, dude, they just brought in John Lester, your yeah. old former your old former Red Sox. Lester, Lester's I love John Lester and he's a guy that um you he's know he's been there he's been there and done that world series champion um not to mention battled through cancer so this is a guy that's yeah. been through stuff um you know Lester's been solid with the Cubs um but I mean that's a that's a guy that they'd roll out there um he'll probably be the four starter if yeah, I'm four doing or math five, right so like yeah. to have that that, that, yes exactly to have that leadership at the um, bottom is great at the bottom and um that their rotation is going to bounce stuff off of each other so much because mm-hmm. i mean 
if you think about that, the just the the experience they have yeah. in that rotation. That's just a phenomenal um, group of minds. And it's not like Scherzer and uh, Strasburg are old to say, but right. they're, they're veterans and they've been there. Now, they've won World Series now. Um, that's, a, that's a rotation that knows what it takes to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a major key that um, people would overlook with them. That's, th- this rotation knows what it takes to win. Yep. Um, and that's what you want. Multiple guys that have won World Series in that rotation. Um, and that's it. That is what you want out of your rotation guys with experience guys that know how to get it done when it matters, especially when you get down to the end of the year, it's going to be the teams that normally succeed are teams that have experience and teams that know what it takes in October to win. And that's what the Nats have. Um, absolutely. And it's not even, it's, it's some of their young guys know what it takes to win too, because of the fact that they were there when they made that push and won the world series. I just I think the fact that Juan Soto won a World Series, I think before he was legally allowed to buy a beer in America is just absolutely absurd. Yeah. And I mean he's celebrating with apple juice. Right. Like, you know, it's like it's huge for him. And it's they're they're one of when they're obviously, you know, that they can easily go nineteen and thirty-two to start the year like they did that year. But, you know, in terms of just to watch a game, to click on a random game, they're a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. When they lost Anthony Rendon, you probably thought, oh boy, like here, like here it comes after the World Series. Obviously, again, you can count last year in terms of like when push comes to shove, but really, you know, there were there was 102 games not played. Yeah, and so many other variables. So many other variables not being put in. So I think Washington, you know, and also last year was their World Series hangover year. So I think they'll be right back into the fold this year. The NL is a completely different animal. The yeah, national. Definitely. Completely different animal. hundred uh, percent. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's the 10 teams from the AL and NL East. Uh, yeah. So we, we breeze through that. Um, I definitely think there's, I mean, we could talk about. These we can, we can, we can do this all day. day. Um, but I think that gives you guys a good sense of uh, our opinions going into the the season for um, East Coast baseball. Obviously, both of us born and raised on the East Coast, still on the East Coast. So this is what uh, is most relevant to us, I guess, uh, our two teams being East Coast teams. Um, but yeah, um, next week we're going to cover the central divisions for both the American League and National League. Um not to discredit the central, but um, I think it's the weakest point in baseball uh, at the moment. Right. Particularly the NL central, the AL central, I think is a little bit better, Um, Mm -hmm. but we'll definitely get into that next week, breaking down all 10 teams in that division. So yeah, thank you. Plenty of, plenty of content to come, plenty of baseball to come. We got our, a brand new season upon us. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of ups, a lot of downs, me and Tudor are going to agree on a lot of stuff and we're going to disagree on a lot of stuff, but that's Definitely. the name of the game. That's the way it goes. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this. Baseball has kind of become my thing over the last few years, just because um, obviously, you know, my team is good, but even without that, just I've be in terms of an overall baseball guy. I, I think when, like I was saying before, when, when that young wave of players came in and baseball kind of revived itself, I think that's when I revived it. I revived it in my mind as a pure mm-hmm. baseball fan. Cause now I know more about just the MLB as a whole than I, than I did back when we were in high school, like four yeah. or five years ago. So I'm having a blast. The best is yet to come. 
We'll see you guys next week. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bang.